0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So
1: we're talking about hope for a few weeks, and the idea of of the conspiracy of hope is that God put together a plan. He sent His one and only Son into the world to bring hope. Who would have ever suspected a baby? Okay. So that's what we're talking about. I, uh, I I was with my wife Friday night, and we came here to the church for Breakaway. Anybody know what Breakaway is? Do you know what that is? It is a it is a dream that first began in the heart of Marcia Adams, and it was a desire to help parents who have children who have challenges that other children do not have. Okay, and the idea is that we're going to let them come and drop their kids off at our church. We're going to take great care of them. We're going to love them. We're going to give them lots of fun things to do. They're going to want to come back next month so bad they can't stand it. And the parents can just go away on a date or shopping or whatever they need to do. And so Annette and I came Friday night. When you volunteer for breakaway, you walk into the room and you are assigned a child. And so you stay with that child the whole night. And so there's all kinds of fun things to do. You decorate cookies. You go into the gym to play games. You put on weird glasses and funny hats. And you get in a photo booth and you make faces and you take pictures with them. This last time, because it was December, we had a talent show. And I'm telling you, hands down, best talent show I've ever been to in my life. It was awesome. But while I understand that, that many of you cannot relate to those parents, you can relate to this idea. That sometimes life offers challenges that we had not planned for. Everybody understands what that means. Sometimes there are challenges in life that we didn't count on. That we weren't prepared for. We didn't know they were coming. Nobody understands this better than the nation of Israel. At the time when Jesus came onto this planet... They were living under Roman rule. There there had been a day when, when Israel was one of the most powerful nations. And the nations of the world feared Israel and their God. They had a mighty army. But beyond that, the hand of God was on them. And so now they live under Roman rule. Joseph, what in the world are you doing taking Mary? She's full term in her pregnancy. You're going to take her on an 80-mile journey on a donkey down to Bethlehem. Why are you going to Bethlehem? You know what Joseph is going to say? We don't have a choice. Caesar, 1,500 miles away in Rome, has lifted his finger. And we all have to respond. And so Caesar Augustus declared that there would be a sense of taken of the entire Roman world, and now we are under his rule, and we have to go. And so off to Bethlehem they go, and every step of the way, they could feel the thumb of Caesar in their back. And the nation of Israel were, was facing challenges that they had not planned for. And so it's in Bethlehem that Jesus is born. So let me take you to verse 20 of that chapter, chapter 2 of the book of Luke, and talk to you a little more about this idea of hope, okay? Even for the nation Israel and for the whole world. So, um, I don't know. Uh, That's not quite it. But that is it. Thank you so much. So on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. This is the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And so when the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So there are three Jewish ceremonies that we are being um, exposed to here. One is circumcision... One is consecration and one is purification. We'll talk about them in a minute. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon, I'm putting together a plan. I'm going to bring hope to humanity. And before you leave this world, Simeon, you're going to see him with your own eyes. So moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him... What was the custom of the law required? Simeon took him into his arms. And he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And so the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them, and then he said to Mary, his mother, and these probably are the words that cause us to pause. This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. So may God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. I'm not a movie goer. Um, my wife likes movies, and my attention span is just not good enough. And so, if I watch a movie with Annette, it's because I love Annette so much. But. As years have gone on, I've, I've learned to watch movies a little better. But there's a movie that came out in 1994 called The Shawshank Redemption. Anybody seen The Shawshank Redemption? Sing another verse, hands all over the place, they're still coming. So, I hadn't seen the movie, and I have a friend who says, Are you kidding me? You've never seen Shawshank Redemption? So, a few years ago, on television, I watched The Shawshank Redemption. Well, I like the movie because it is a story... ...about one man teaching another man the meaning of hope. Anthony Robbins plays the role of... Andy. Who was framed for double murder and was a banker, but he was innocent. The other character, Red, is played by Morgan Freeman. And so I'm going to show you something I've never done in a sermon in all of my life... ...until just first service show you some movie clips but I'm going to show you about three and a half to four minutes of movie clips okay the first is when they are in prison together in the cafeteria the second is after Andy has broken out and then Red is legitimately freed from prison and then the third one is when Red is on his way to see Andy so watch these for a few minutes for me will you
0: haven't you ever felt that way about music I played a mean at Monica as a younger man. Lost interest in it, though. Didn't make much sense in here. Here's where it makes the most sense. You need it so you don't forget. Forget? For, forget that
1: there are places in the world that aren't made out of stone. That there's, a, there's something inside that they can't get to. That...
0: I can't touch it's yours what are you talking about hope hope let me tell you something my friend hope is a dangerous thing hope can drive a man insane it's got no use on the inside i better get used to that idea Thanks,
1: Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. And if you've come this far, maybe you're willing
0: to come a little further. You remember the name of the town, don't you? Say what to nail. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. I'll keep an eye
1: out for you, and the chessboard ready. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you.
0: And finds you well. Your friend, Andy. Living or get busy dying. For the second time in my life, I'm guilty of committing a crime. A role violation. Of course, I doubt they'll toss up any roadblocks for that. Not for an old crook like me. Fort Hancock, Texas, please. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still a whole thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams.
1: I think what I want to ask you this morning is, how, how do you live without hope? Or what is life without hope? Or how would you function without hope? How could, you, how could you go on without hope? And yet open the Bible to the book of Ephesians and Paul talks about when you were without Christ, you were without God and without hope in this world. I love it when Andy says there's something they can't get to. It's inside of you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about hope. I guess I really want to ask you this. Am I looking at anybody this morning who says, Pastor Rick, I'm just kind of on the edge. I'm just right on the border. And I'm just about ready to give up. And I don't know that there's much hope left in me. I don't know that my situation is going to change. I don't know that life is going to get better. and My hope is almost gone. Let, let me take the time I have left and, and talk with you a little about, about hope from the perspective of Simeon and, and from the situation of Jesus coming into our world, okay? Um, You remember me one time talking to you about going to a bris? Do you know what a bris is? A a bris happens at a Jewish synagogue. And I was at an Orthodox Jewish synagogue for the circumcision of an eight-day-old boy. So no matter what day of the week it is, if it's Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Wednesday, it doesn't matter. You bring your child to the synagogue on that day and the whole congregation shows up. And so right there in the front of the church... They circumcise the child and they give him his name. I was amazed. I didn't know really. They still did that in the synagogue, but they did. And so usually the father is to do the circumcision, but you can use a moel. A moel is someone who is trained and certified, and usually it's a rabbi. And so somebody says to me, well, the kid was only eight days old. He didn't know really what was going on. It probably probably didn't hurt. Oh, no, I was there. It hurt really bad. I could tell. I mean, he screamed for a half hour. And so then they gave him his name. And, and you understand, I think, but let me make sure you understand that Jesus was born into a Jewish family, observing Jewish customs and traditions and Jewish ceremonies. And so when Luke tells this story, he says, On the eighth day of his life, they took him and they had him circumcised, and they gave him his Jewish name. And then Joseph and Mary took him to the temple in verse 21. In Jerusalem, wife. For the ceremonies of purification and the ceremony of consecration. And here's what it looked like when a woman had a baby. If it was a boy, it was 40 days. And after 40 days, you would go to the synagogue and you would be purified. And you did that by offering a sin offering and a burnt offering. The sin offering was a lamb. A burnt offering was a young pigeon or a dove. But if you were poor, there were provisions made that you could offer two doves or two pigeons. And Luke makes the notation of what Mary and Joseph offered because they were poor. Last week we talked about Jesus being born into a very, very ordinary family. The idea of consecration was like this. In the book of Exodus it says that every firstborn male belongs to God. Man or animal. And so they consecrated Jesus that day to God. And for five shekels, they redeemed him. I was in uh, Missouri the other day for a retreat with a group of pastors. And I was walking down the uh, sidewalk of the street, and I looked in a coffee shop, and Tim Brown was with me, and I said, Tim, look. And I just thought, oh, that's too awesome. I'm going to go back and take a picture. And so I... uh, ran in and I said to the guy, hey, do you mind if I take your picture real quick? And he says, no, help yourself. And then I felt like, oh, I'm intruding. And I said, you know what? It, it's, it's okay if... He goes, no, it happens all the time. Take a picture. And so I brought the picture. I thought you might be interested in seeing it. It might be one of the best pictures I've ever taken in my life. I, I think it could almost be a commercial. I, I don't have a problem with Santa Claus... What, what I do have a problem with is reducing Christmas to a wish list. Can I get a witness in the house this morning? Can I get some help up in here today? I don't have a problem with Christmas, but I do have a problem with reducing Christmas to a wish list. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me talk to you about what that means, okay? Israel is awaiting a Messiah. They are awaiting a Messiah. They they dream of the days when David was king or when Solomon was king. And the rest of the world lived in fear of Israel and their God. You don't want to mess with Israel because you don't want to mess with their God. And so they were thinking in terms of the Messiah being a political leader. With a big army. And a great warrior. Who would put Israel back in its proper standing of world order. And Luke says, and there was this guy in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel, for the restoration of Israel. It doesn't say he was wishing. It says he was waiting. There's a difference in hoping and wishing. He wasn't wishing for anything. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was living his life in hope. And so this is really important to me that you understand this clearly. And so I'm going to say it as well as I possibly can. But I want you to hear me say that my future is not based on a wish list. Just like Simeon's future was based on the word of God, my future is based on the spoken word of God. And so my future does not rest in a wish list. Our hope is not equivalent to a wish list. The reason Simeon hoped was because the Holy Spirit said to him, You will not die until you have seen with your own eyes my salvation. And the reason I have hope is because I open the word of God and I hear Jesus say these words, I have come that you might have life and that you might have abundant life. I have come because anybody who believes in me will no longer live in darkness. You don't have to live in sin, Rick Harvey. You can live in light. I open the Word of God and it tells me that God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and to give you a future. I open the Bible and God's Word says to me, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. My future does not rest on a wish list. My future rests on the fact that God has spoken. Amen. and I live my life every day in the hope that it will be fulfilled. Amen. Big difference. And that and I were traveling one Christmas. We had lived in Kansas City for a while, and I was working on staff there after I finished seminary at a church. And so we had made that trip back to see family many times, but we never made it in the snow. And this Christmas, we were making it in the snow. We get to Mount Vernon, Illinois, and the snow is falling. Softball-sized drops, I'm sure, something like that. And finally, standing right in the dead middle of the interstate is a state trooper, and he's just blowing his whistle and just motioning you off the interstate. And so it's nighttime, and I wrote my window down, and I said, what's up? And he said, we're closing the interstate, too many wrecks. And so we get off at this little exit, and there's a hotel or two and a couple of restaurants, but every table is full and every room is full, no room in the inn for us. And so I'm thinking, what in the world will you do? You couldn't even find a place to park your car. Everybody And more people are getting off. And all the talk when we got out of our car is that the next town has no rooms. And the next town has no rooms. And nothing to do. And we're waiting in this long line trying to get some gas. Maybe if I get my car filled up with gas, I can just keep it running through the night. I don't know what to do. i got a wife and a little baby and I feel very responsible. And I'm talking to the Lord about it. And finally, now listen kids, these are in the old days, okay? Before we had cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> Some people did have car phones. I know that you don't know what a car phone is, some of you. But it was actually attached to your car. You picked up the phone, there was a cord, it hooked to your car somewhere. And you answered it like you did in your house and then you hung it back up. That was, some people had car phones. And so I found a pay phone. And I got the phone book. And I opened up the phone book and I find the Church of the Nazarene. Now there's some retired ministers here. And, and you might remember in those days they would put the parsonage number beside the church number. And so I called the pastor's house, and I said, my name is Rick, and I'm a Nazarene pastor, and we're stranded. Oh, we know about the interstate being closed. We're well aware. He said, I'll work out something. You just wait there a few minutes by that phone, and I'll have somebody to you soon. And in just what seemed like less than 10 minutes, an old gentleman pulled up in a truck, and he said, are you the Harveys? And we said, we are. And he said, you a Nazarene pastor? And I said, I am he said, well, I'm a retired Nazarene pastor. I live two miles away. Follow me. We'll take you to our house and we'll take great care of you. We walked in the door and his wife was already putting food on the table, which I was feeling good about that. They gave us a nice bedroom and they said, even if they open the interstate, why don't you spend the night, get up in the morning and get a fresh start. And so we went to sleep in that very warm, dry, comfortable bed. And I realized that night when I laid down that God had worked in my life. God opened a door that I could not open. And Annette and I felt very much like God took care of us and our little girl. And so Simeon is moved by the Spirit. Many of you understand that line very well. You say, yeah, there's been times in my life, Rick, when the Spirit has moved me. And so Simeon, moved by the Spirit, he goes to the temple. And what does he find but Joseph and Mary? (laughs) I love this stuff. Because Simeon takes Jesus in his arms. And I want you to listen to me just for a minute here, okay? He knows who he is holding by what he says. Take your servant in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. And he knows that Jesus is not simply the hope and the, and the peace of Israel, but he is hope for the whole world. Because not only does he say he is the glory of Israel, a nation that has been put down, a nation that has been humiliated, a nation that has been oppressed, not only is he a hope of Israel, but he is the light of revelation for all the Gentiles. He is the hope for everybody. Amen. Good stuff. It, it's the next few lines that, that make us struggle. The rising and falling of many, he will cause that. Really? Spoken against him, words will be. Who would speak against Jesus? The hearts of many will be revealed. He'll bring you joy, Mary. But you'll have sorrow in your heart because of him. I think when we come to this time of the year, we, we look for something. Um, I see it more in guys my age. We, we want Revelation. I want God to speak to me this Christmas. I want to catch a glimpse. I want to see something different. I want real meaning. I, I want revelation. I want I want God to do something in my life this season. I don't want it to just be another Christmas that comes and goes. And often it happens for us. I was, I was at a choir Christmas dinner on Tuesday night. And so we had this great dinner and, and everybody was fun to be around. And we laughed and we talked and finally... We were in the atrium. Tim Mosshart stands up and he says, um, "We have entertainment for you. It's a group of kids from the Covenant Christian School, and its director is one of our choir members, Angela Frazier. And so all these little kids ran up onto the platform, and they sing. Uh, sometimes, in all the busyness of life and all the noise of life, it's it's good when things are quiet. And sometimes just that simple piano and the sound of children's voices is, is beautiful. And one song made me think hard. Um, what shall I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I could give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? I will give him my heart. And and some of you are just a step ahead of me saying, No, I was already there. Because here I find myself again in church, in God's house. And that little baby Jesus, in the words of Simeon, is revealing what's in my heart. And he's asking for a response. And I still struggle. I still hang on to the controls. I don't want to relinquish. I don't want to give in. And I understand words like rising and falling. And I understand Him revealing what's in my heart. Because I struggle. I I, I stand here as a pastor and say, don't struggle. Find hope. This is where you find hope. It's a simple choice, really. In Red's words, it's either get busy dying or get busy living. Where's your hope? My hope is in the fact that God has spoken. My hope is in the promise of a life that is abundant. My hope is the promise of a life not lived in darkness. My hope is in a hope and a future that God promises me. My hope is in His faithfulness. So I guess I'm asking this morning, what are you hoping for and what is your hope in? You want to come up and sing that song for us? You okay to stand with me for a minute? There's always pastors standing kind of here on either side of me and they will be here this morning and... If you're hoping for healing that you have not yet received and you want to be anointed and prayed for, someone will be glad to put a drop of oil on you and to pray for you this morning. If you're hoping for the salvation of your child or your grandchild or your brother or your sister or your mother or your father, and you're going to be seeing them in a few days. And you want to pray for them, you are welcome to come and pray for them. If you've got a need in your life, let me remind you, we're not people of despair. I stood here earlier this morning, shaking the hand of a guy whose wife had died and his daughter. And I said, you know, you're going to have a great Christmas. In spite of the fact that you've lost your mother. Because we are not people of despair, we are people of hope. So, what are you hoping for today? We well, are people of hope, like Simeon, because God has spoken. Amen. And so, if you want to conclude this time of worship by praying, feel free to come and pray. Let's sing together. Be still. There is a healer. His love. His love is deeper than the sea, His mercy. continue to worship for a few minutes. If you want to hang around, feel free. If you want to come and pray with a friend, feel free. And you can leave whenever you're ready to do so. So may the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
0: Merry Christmas. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.